Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, well, as we get started, um, I got uh, uh, new glasses, and they're bi, well, they're transition or whatever. They're bifocals, but with no lines. And uh, they are weird. It's weird to see, to get used to. And then I had to have them fitted a little bit better and then like my eyes got used to the unfitted way and so it's been really crazy. But yeah, getting old is a lot of fun. Went to the doctor on Friday um, because I have high blood pressure. So hey, aging punk rocker. Um, cool, 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 cool. I had a nice weekend. My kids got to go camping with their mom, so totally stoked on that. Um, um, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. They're a little big, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's funny that because I, I have insurance, eye insurance this year, and I tried to go to uh, Warby Parker because it's so much cheaper, and... Um, my insurance doesn't cover even out of, out of market. I guess they don't have to do that in the state of Washington. They don't have to do like out of whatever. And um, so I had to get more expensive glasses. But hey, look at how fine and well insurance companies works. So hey, um, glad to have you all here. We're gonna get this thing revving up in a few minutes. I just like to give a, a little bit of time for everybody to grab their their coffee or their tea or their soda or whatever. I'm out of drinks today because the kids are, kids are, uh, you know, with their mom. And uh, I just don't feel like going to the grocery store. Um, trying to think, did you guys see Top Gun? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, is Jurassic World out? Holy smokes. That might have to be my my uh, today's thing. You know, I remember seeing Jurassic Park in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, that's where my dad was in prison. And man, people, the, it was packed. It was crazy. Um, oh, I like raptors. Um, very excited about that. Uh, oh, I've been watching the Obi Wan Kenobi series holy moly like i had to wait i waited till yesterday till the kids were with their mom or i guess the day before yesterday I waited till friday after the kids went back to school to watch the obi-wan kenobi show because there's so many freaking spoilers on on the web and i tried to avoid them all go past the pictures fast and uh, but man that obi-wan kenobi series is rocking it's so good so good but I've always been a huge Ewan McGregor fan. And uh, Darth Vader is awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Um, so usually I think about my talks late at night and 
and um, what I'm going to say to you all and all that stuff. And, and uh, I had a weird thought about how people in our lives are like furniture. But I think it came out to be more of a comedy routine than anything. So I might save that one for you later. Okay. Um, might save that one for you later. My, my, hey, some people are like refrigerators and some people are like sofas. But, uh, yeah, so last weekend or last week, uh, last Sunday, my, uh, little mini bear, um, turned five years old. Um, and it was awesome. And she was so excited. And unfortunately, Minnie got, um, COVID and then my son got COVID, and then my ex got COVID. Um, and I wound up helping my ex a little bit with that. And strangely enough, I did not get COVID, um, but everybody got COVID. Um, and so that was, that was pretty nuts. And we had planned a really big, huge birthday party for many at the park, and we were gonna, encourage people to bring their puppies because my daughter has puppy fever but we're not getting puppies right now uh her mom already has like four cats so they're not getting a puppy and i'm not getting a puppy so no puppy right now um but um we had to cancel the party but we still had a kind of a puppy theme party and it was really really cute and it was just the family it was just me and karen and the kiddos at their mom's house and uh it, we had a sweet time we had a little we had a little dog masks here that I, I have one right here Here's little puppy masks to wear for the party and milo was uh was this this was milo's so we we had a lot of fun and uh josh the amazing Josh. I don't know if he's with us today. Um, but did an amazing job as always. Got a lot of really good comments back from Josh. Was, uh, not from Josh. Josh said he did great. He really loved his talk. Um, no, I got a lot of comments from you guys telling me that Josh did well. Um, there is one thing that I really kind of wanted to 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 bring up. Some, some kind of like uh, some stuff as a community that I think you know, we talk about arguing well and disagreeing well and, and things like that. Um, so uh, last week, uh, while Josh was giving a talk, someone posted up like, oh, Jay's not here. I can't believe he's not here again. I'm done. You know, this is ridiculous. Um, now, that's fine if you have an issue with my work's working habits. Uh, I do too. Uh, <laughs> But I have a group of leaders trying to help me get better at my, my own working habits. But what I wanted to say was is that when we have like a co-speaker filling in or a guest speaker filling in, and um, that's really not the time, I think, to complain because I think that's really rude. I think it's disrespectful to the speaker that we're having. And um, it's really uncalled for. You know, this is not the Jay Baker show. I don't call it that. I don't treat it that way. Um, you know, some people sent me DMs, you know, with a little book. Hey, we missed you on Sunday. You know, that old vibe. And I was like, yeah, sorry. You know, I was spending time with my kids. It was my daughter's birthday. 
And if you spend any time at Revolution, you'll always know that my kids are more important than this community. Sorry, everybody, it's true. Um, but I just wanna make that clear. Like, my kids are important to me, but, um, and if you have an issue with that, you can DM me, you can direct message me, you, any of my Twitter or Facebook. Well, Facebook, I have a really hard time with my direct messages, but Instagram. Um, but doing it when someone else is speaking can really be uncomfortable, you know? Um, can be really, really uncomfortable for people and be really, really hurtful um, and throw people's talks off. And, you know, Josh didn't care. He didn't mind. It didn't bother him. But it bothered me. It bothered me as someone who's going like, hey, this would be a place where, you know, we can have people who come in and speak. I mean, I could have just, we could have just not done anything, you know? But the fact is Josh filled in, worked really hard on a talk, and then someone, you know, treats him like a second, you know, second class speaker or, you know, where's Jay? You know, and it's just like, Honestly, if you're looking for a community where people are constantly, where you have a pastor who works and, 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 and is, is going to change your kids' birthday parties and do different things like that, there are so many churches out there where you can have pastors with really strong worth ethics that don't do that. But this is not the place. And that's why we call ourselves Revolution Community because we're trying to change the way things are done. So that's just my two cents. And I mean that with love and respect, but I guess what I'm just trying to say is like, you know, if you've got that kind of thing in your head, think about it, you know, think about how it's going to affect the person um, who, who here sees it. You know, it's not, you know, how, how is it gonna affect them? You know, if it's towards me and you want me to show up more, you want me to do more, send me a message. You know, figure out a way to do that. Um, it's not that hard. I am on like every social media platform. And I will uh, talk to you. It just You can say, Jay, I'm mad that you're not showing up. and I need more Jay, whatever, I don't know. All right, guys, that's, that was the, my one pet peeve, just because I feel like we've gotta, you know, really honor our guests here at this community. And you never know, you might be that person next. And, um, so, you know, that was funny as, as when I first started in, 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 on, um, in, in the ministry and doing this stuff and, you know, you'd show up to churches and if you spoke somewhere where the pastor was really big, you know, you're like, don't announce that I'm not, I'm going to be there because if they know you're not talking, like, you know, like nobody will show up and nobody knows who I am. So <laughs> why don't you just let me show up? Um, so here we go. Um. Let's get into today's talk. Boop, 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 boop. I'm excited to be here on um, um, these comments pop up so fast here. I've really got to figure out a better way to see the comments that I can't even read them. So, so I'm sorry that I can't comment to him because I just see half a comment and I might be missing like the best part. Um. But we talked about that. I, I have a leadership meeting. I have a group of folks who I'm, I'm, I'm talking with who, who kind of are being a board for Revolution right now. And uh, yeah, I'll try to read after. Um, but so, so we're working through a lot of really cool stuff. And um, I'm, I'm going to be adding probably another talk for the week. 
and it'll probably be t Tuesdays is what I'm looking at, and it's going to be kind of a different format, and uh, it'll just kind of be my musings, or whoever decides to fill in if I'm not there musing, but we're going to add some uh, extra stuff. Um, so, shall we begin? This is the one time in the years where I felt like, man, I should probably just open this up with a prayer, because <laughs> this is... This is going to be an honest one, um, but you can pray for me. Um, so as someone who is a speaker and a communicator and pretty much a pastor most of their life, um, I don't like using that term right now because it's I'm online and I don't know, I think there's unrealistic expectations around people who are pastors by the people who call themselves pastors and by those who follow them. And um, I think it, it, it's, it's just a word that needs to be uh, changed uh, or, or looked at differently as like, oh, plumber, pastor, hmm, maybe. Um, you, you want both to be really good at their jobs so you're not, you know, your floor is not, you know, you're not stepping in shit, you know, I get it, but, but you also don't make them into gods. Um, but for me personally, in my own work, I've, I've always felt like what separated me from a lot of different people in my vocation um, is my ability to show grace. My ability to not scapegoat others. Um, even towards, like, you know, in the past few years, even towards those who've stood against me and been very vocal against me. Um, I've always felt in some ways that my superpower was forgiving others and helping people forgive others. Like, I, you know, like that was like, that's my speciality. You know, that's, that's where I, I, I really, that's where I really, uh, my strong suit is, you know, grace, you know, and I, I, I remember, God, it must have been 15, 20 years ago, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to be the next Brennan Manning, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And Brennan Manning's a grace guy. And so for me, that was like the biggest compliment, you know, like, oh, yeah, man, you know, well, thank you. Oh, I'm no Brennan Manning, but that would be awesome to, to be able to, you know, fill in his steps. I got to meet Brennan Manning a few times, and uh, the dude was awesome. And, and the more I, I realized the reality of, 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 of Brennan Manning, I thought, well, you know, maybe we could be. <laughs> Because he was he he had clay feet and, and, and as well. Um, and I was recently in a session with my analyst and talking about my family. And. Um, I realized, like, you know, I realized that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's not a special power, <laughs> and that it's, um, and that you know, that kind of pride that becomes before a fall it was kind of that thing of, of always being good and always knowing how to think I knew how to do it and and handle it well and take that road less traveled and you know started to realize that um i i am i am uh, i am human and so 
what's funny is, is it's just because it's a place of pride. It's so funny. Like, I remember when I first got sober, God, 25 years ago. Um, and I'd always go to bars with all my friends and everybody would be drinking and stuff like that. And I never had a problem with drinking, but there was always kind of this like pride I had, like, oh, at least I'm not drinking. Like this old religious voice. Well, hey, look at you, buddy. <laughs> Don't you have your shit together, you know? And I've always felt that way about like grace, nonviolence, you know, and like, well, well look at you, you know, and, and, you know, and it's funny how legalism will creep into you and like pride will creep into like certain places of you where you, you it, it doesn't even make sense, you know, it just happens, you know, and you think, well, I'm not, I'm not you know, I've got this one handled pretty good, you know, um, and no, 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 everyone enjoy their drinks. I'll just have a soda. Thank you. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's just funny how you how pride sneaks in, you know. And I don't think pride is necessarily a, ho a horrific thing um, to have. I, it might have been good for me at the time because if I'd had a drink, I would have been like probably burning the bar down, especially at that time. Um. So, so as I was seeing my my all my therapists over the years and seeing my analysts. And, and, and I've done like most of my life, I mean, literally since I was a teenager, I've seen some sort of therapist. I've, I've worked on myself, you know, um, even at the height of my career, still, you know, therapy, um, both of my marriages that are no longer there, we did therapy trying to save those marriages. Um, but I've had to recalculate in, in my own self of, of, of why can't, why have I hit a road of where I'm finding it hard to forgive? Now this will all, this will all make sense in a minute, but I think, I hope so. And, and you'll also all see your own, your own, um, your own, what you've all have helped me and my ask for, for help. We'll, we'll go with this. Um, one of the things my therapist always talked about, all my therapists, except for maybe my analysts, but all my therapists up until the analyst, but I said, well, you know, Jay, you got to put your mask on first, you know? And then so in a lot of areas like mental health areas, I would put my mask on first, you know, but if it had to do with grace or forgiveness or standing up for a marginalized group or things like that, I was like, no, I'll put your mask on. I'm fine. You know? I have it all, I'm the hero here, you know? And, and, and I grew up with characters who were real and who were fictional, who always, you know, in the end would fight for those who didn't believe in them and even condemned them, you know what I mean? So I grew up with like, Gotham has turned against Batman, but he still saves them, you know? I grew up with my dad being like, oh, you have to forgive Jerry Falwell, you know? And you have to love them and you have to forgive these people. and. You know, I mean, even Jesus, forgive them, forgive them. They know not what they do, they do, you know? And, um, I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing like you wish politicians would do is that like they would also, like when they become, when they get voted in, they're like, I'm no longer a Republican. I'm no longer a Democrat. I just serve the people. <laughs> um, 
but these heroes or these anti-heroes, you know, but in the end, they always do the right thing. You know, Han Solo came back and helped Luke Skywalker, you know, and, and all this, you know, the unwilling heroes, but they, you know, you know, but they even, you know, even though nobody believes in them, they believe in themselves. And they, you know, all those great stories we hear. And I loved, I romanticized the hell out of those. And, um, you know, so it's like, I will love my enemies, you know, and they will beat me and I will say, yes, may I have another? Because I love you. That slap was fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, we, we talk a lot about here about arguing well and disagreeing well and misinformation is the enemy, not the person, not the other. You know, and that allows us to show grace. It allows us to have patience with other people. Um, you know, the Bible says, you know, love your enemy, be kind to those who persecute you. You know, it, it, it makes these things clear, you know. And... Um, But one of the other things I've, I've found out through, through seeing an analyst is, um, and it's funny because my analyst has asked me this a few times lately, um, he said, you know, you, have, you, you seem to have a tendency to uh, protect those who hurt you in almost an unhealthy way. Um, you have a tendency to protect those who hurt you. And what is that all about? You know, and the reason that it's been mentioned uh, to my analyst, by my analyst to me a few times, is because I keep going back to it. I defend those who hurt me. And I make excuses often for those who disapprove of me. And I think it has a lot to do with growing up uh, on television, growing up with my family that I had. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of people who I, I was confused with. You know, they would condemn me, but they were also supposed to love me, and they would say I needed to do this and that, and so I kind of saw that as love. Now, the reason I'm sharing all this with you is because I, I think a lot of you have had these questions about my work in the past. It's like, well, Jay, how can you say that? Well, what about people who've hurt you? I mean, that's... The whole thing with me and Zoe, how you know, love from afar really became something that we talk about here as well, is, is because those questions came up, especially when we do Galatians, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, you know what I'm saying? You've got to love your enemies and do this, and that's Jesus, but oh, but what about that person? And what about my youth pastor who didn't give me an extra slice of pizza? No, I'm just kidding. It's usually worse than that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, so it, it, we realize, like, okay, this maybe needs to be thought about and rethought about. And, you know, and so, so loving from afar seems, you know, like a good idea. And we're going to get into that, actually, in a few more minutes as well. But, um, but I, I realize in my own life is, is I have a, a tendency to protect those who hurt me. Or, or, you know, and, I, and it probably hurt a lot of my, my marriages, personally. And I think a lot of us as humans deal with that. Um, I, you know, obviously that's something that's probably happens a lot with, uh, physically abusive, uh, relationships, um, where, where you're trying to defend, uh, the abuser, um, you know, that does happen. Um, but for me, it became almost like a morality thing, you know, like an illegalistic thing for me, 
is that, you know, and I told my, my, my analyst, I'm being really personal with you guys today, so um, I would, I'd appreciate, uh, I don't know, I'd appreciate you not using any of this against me. Sometimes you guys send me um, critiques and, and sometimes they're nose on, but some of people say I complain or something like that. And you know what? It affects how I speak. <laughs> and I like the way I speak, so um, there you go. Um, I have, you know, so I take the biblical message of love very, very seriously. I take the Bible very, very seriously. Um, and loving your enemies very seriously. I take the message of grace as seriously as, as I think one can. Um, I believe it's what's going to change the world. I believe there's other things that would change the world if we really listened. Um, I honestly do believe, like, the government keeps us, keeps two parties in this country because they know if we have two parties, we'll always fight with one another, we won't argue well, and we'll tear each other apart. Um, and I believe that's the secret to a lot of people who, um, uh, a lot of power, is that they keep us distracted. Um, I put up a post, a little meme today, but it was, you know, funny meme, but it was like, oh, the corporations, like, look at them fight with each other, you know, as we get, they blame each other for the problems as we become millionaires, you know, but it's like the great distraction, you know, if we have them arguing with one another, we'll never solve anything, or they'll never come after us because they're going to blame each other, and then they'll defend us, and it's like sports teams, and, you know, we've created politicians that are like our sports teams, or our religious denominations become like sport teams. You know, and these people just sit in their churches high up in their denominations not worrying about it, and we're freaking tearing each other apart over, you know, small little differences that probably are both true or both wrong, you know, and making no room for, for compromise or, or, or um, you know, contradiction. Um, So I take this message of love, you know, especially the Corinthians 13 love that says, uh, love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Um, I really take that seriously. I've taken loving my enemies really, really seriously. I believe it, and I, and I speak about it here regularly. I, I, even, when my, when, even when I question God's existence, I still take these words very seriously. Um, and I believe that it will make us a better people, that we will live better, that we will have better lives, that other people will have better lives if we live in this way. I truly believe that. Um, but I have reached a breaking point. And I'm really angry and in great pain and uh, feeling a bit confused and have lost hope. And, and this this past couple weeks in my own life. So, so that's a, a big, big place to be. And we've had moments like this at Revolution. You know, I remember one time I got up and said, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And everybody clapped, which was so bizarre. And we're like, we're here with you, man. And I said, well, at least we got Vince. 
And then Vince gets up the next week and says, well, Jay, I'm sorry, but I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And the community was like, hey, we're here and we'll believe on your behalf. So um, that was, I'm getting text messages. Sorry, I, I can't see them when I'm talking. Um, so that was, that was really tough, you know, uh, but we made it through and we got in our different places and, you know, now I'm like, sometimes I believe, sometimes I don't, it, it, doubt exists. Doubt is just a mark, is, is not the opposite of faith. It's an element of faith. And, and that's to quote Paul Tillich, the great Paul Tillich, the great, one of the greatest theologians, philosophers of the 20th century. Um, Most of my career has been trying to help folks, uh, especially the LGBTQ folks, who have been um, rejected by their loved ones because of religion. Um, that was a big part of my work. <laughs> it's funny because it was such a big part of my work, but it also kind of devastated, like, the, the, what was the revolution church as far as having staff and, and things like that and uh, all that. It was kind of, that was the end of that. Um, we've never quite recovered from that. And it maybe it might be mentally too that I just haven't been able to get back in the game because there's a lot of really popular, amazing, affirming churches out there that are doing great. Um, but maybe it was just something that shook me a little bit too much that I've got to deal with that. Um, but but that was my thing, was, was like defending the LGBTQ community. And do I, I do remember a few times where I spoke at really progressive LGBTQ churches and I didn't use the right pronouns or things like that and, and people got angry at me and it was really hurtful because I was like, uh, I don't even know, I, I haven't even had the teachable moment. This is the teachable moment and you're kind of doing it in a really dickish way. And um, it hurt. And, you know, but I grew from it and grew from it and was able to talk to those people and, and argue well and say, hey, you, you got to communicate this better, and and um, and I've I've decided how to work through those worlds, but but I but it was so often I was dealing with people who were being you know rejected by their family because of religious beliefs, um, you know, and some of my friends were rejected by their family because they were Satanists or they were this or that or atheists, and you know my goal was not to change them. My goal was just to help them, you know love their family a little bit more and have got a chance to speak to their family and say, hey, you know, this is not Christianity, <laughs> you know. This is not how Christianity is supposed to work. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, oh, well, Corinthians, I kicked that guy out. And I'm like, yeah, and in 2 Corinthians, Paul says you were too crazy and too, you, 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 you did too much. Pull that person back in and restore them, you know, and love them and bring them back into the community. You know, we, we always, and that's why scholarship, biblical scholarship is important. Um, when we just take the Bible at a lower value, go, whoa, I'll just use this part. But you're like, hey, well, there's a whole nother chapter of that book. And it actually confronts that one moment there that you're hanging, you know, all your stuff on and your kids are homeless and they're killing themselves and they're dying, you know, because you're not bringing them back home because you're not restoring them. You're not loving them. You're not just, you know, love them. Anyhow, that was a big, big one of big years of my, my career, working with Soul Force and things like that. Um, I've moved on because there's a lot of great LGBTQ speakers and ministers out there, and they're all doing that well, work well, much better than, than I can. 
And so now my thing is like, how do we argue well? How do we not scapegoat each other? And, and funny thing is, is, a lot of times I'm going to those folks who I worked with before saying like, hey, I think you might be scapegoating the right. And how do we love them as well? Let's not return the favor. Um, like I said, yeah, recently I, 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 I've, I've pleaded with my friends on the left not to give up on their conservative family members. Because if we do that, what different are we then than those I mentioned earlier? You know, if we repeat and do the same thing, you know, well, I don't think you should kick someone out because they're gay, but definitely if they voted for Trump, you should, you know, distance yourself from them and not love them and you should kick them out and not be in their family anymore. The problem is, is we live in a country where the reality is, is that guess what, everybody, everybody has different politics. And it's hurtful and it can be painful, but this is the reality we find ourselves in. This is the boat that we are in now. And so what do we do with those scriptures that say love each other? You know, carry one another burden. Be ready to have an answer, it says. Remember in part of that, be ready to give an answer about this stuff, but do it out of gentleness and humbleness and kindness. You know, don't go online and blow someone to bits. So, I just saw someone say, I can't connect with my family member. Um, and it's tough, and that's where we're, I'm going with this. If you do remember, just a few minutes ago, I told you I was uh, disillusioned and... and, and and have lost hope. And uh, this is why this talk is really hard for me. Um, because I try in everything I do to not give up. And when I see folks who do give up, I try to encourage you not to give up. And I try to encourage you to love people. Uh, I mean, I, you know, this funny thing is, is I posted something on my Facebook about loving people, you know, and, and, and saying, listen, I'm so sorry for you folks who've been kicked out of your house, who've been rejected by others because of religion and that you haven't felt loved and you've been rejected that way. And I was just sharing my, like, my, sharing that with these folks on, on, on Facebook. And, um, and here's the thing, the two things I got were Liberal folks who can't stand to be around their conservative family members. And then the majority was, as these people reading into it, conservative folks saying, well, gay people shouldn't do this and blah, blah, blah. And the funny thing was, my, what I wrote had nothing to do with gay people. And so what I saw was, is people just you know, reading into my messages, and, well, we, you know, so they were still thinking I was talking about gay people. And people saying, well, Jay, you preach what is, what, saying what is evil is good and things like that, and homosexual, and I said, listen, I've not mentioned that. I don't know what your obsession is with being LGBTQ, but that didn't even come up, you know? And then I had another group of like, well, my parents are conservative and I can't stand that shit that they say, so I'm not gonna, you know, I, I don't wanna be around them. And, and so those were the two major things that I got. It was either, I can't stand, you know, well, all these gay people are really bad, Jay, and I never mentioned gay people, or it was, you know, well, I don't wanna be around conservative, toxic religion. 
And I'm going, okay, I get all of this, folks. I get all of this. And this point is going to get through really hard in a minute. So if you give me a minute, this point's going to go through, okay? You, you'll see where I'm coming from, but you're going to have to give me a minute. Not to get serious, but I just see so many comments come up, like, it, you're talking to each other, fantastic. But I need you, you know, to stick with me, okay? Um... And let me tell you how I feel about it, this stuff, and why it's harder for me. You'll see why this is where I'm going, why this is, this is hard for me to deal with as well, and to see this in a different light. Um, you know, because I feel called to follow Christianity. Christianity tells me to love my enemies and to pray for those who persecute me and be kind to those who do that to me. And I've always felt that my family are definitely in that part of people who I have to love and care about and be kind to, even when we disagree. I think there is a better way. I think one of the reasons we love from afar is so that we can build up strength to be able to love closer one day. Because imagine if people like Dr. King and Gandhi, you know, and Mother Teresa, you know, different people like these great people that we would look up to just decided that, well, these people are, are, are toxic to me, so I'm not going to love them where they're at. And I'm not going to try to have hard conversations with them. Okay? So... Those are the folks that I'm always encouraged and thinking about. I promise you, though, this is not going in the direction you think it is. So if you're starting to feel guilty, just hold on a second. Um, so this is what I got. I have been pushed to my limits. Me, I'm talking about me. I've been pushed to my limits. I need your grace and your love and your support and your encouragement. And it's funny when I was thinking about this moment, I remember a scene in the movie just hit me and, and, and it's from the movie Blade and the character that Chris Christopherson plays is kind of like he's been kind of helping Blade with all of his weapons and not becoming completely a vampire and all this stuff. And uh, he says, Blade, I'm sorry I got old on you. You know, like, I'm sorry I'm not as strong as I used to be. And, 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 uh, I think his, his name was Whistler in the movie. I'm sorry I got old on you, Blade. And that's kind of how I'm feeling about this talk right now. Is I'm sorry I got old on you. With my high blood pressure and my bifocals. <laughs> Um, sometimes what we might need, hear me out here, is a surrogate to love for us. A community, a team, or a gathering, if you will, to help love others on our behalf. Um, not to go to war on our behalf not to tear down others on our behalf, maybe not even necessarily to defend us on our behalf, but to love on our behalf.
I had an issue recently where I had kind of an issue with somebody that was really hard and really hurtful and I didn't know what to do. And I asked a friend of mine, I said, can you kind of contact them for me and tell them I just need a little time? And um, my friend said, yes, I'll, I'm, I'll be glad to do that. And that's how I had to handle the situation because I couldn't handle it at this point. I think about Galatians 6, 2 that says, bear one another's burdens. And in that way, you will be acting Christ-like. And so sometimes we have to bear one another's burdens and by bearing one another's burdens, we're able to help each other learn how to better handle those burdens. You know, I, I'm going to give Zoe as an example. When they first came to me, they were very angry at a lot of people, and we talked about it a lot, and now I've seen them go back out and meet with all these folks who treated them like shit and were hard on them, and then, you know, the idea of loving from afar has now become the idea of loving closely. Now, not everybody, I'm not saying Zoe reached, went back to every person that hurt them, but Zoe made the point to go out and try to love those people that they thought they would have to love from afar. Um, and I think this community allows us sometimes to, to grow and strengthen in those areas. And that's my hope. My hope is that restoration help happens through this community. Um, the, the past 10 months I have, uh, maybe, I mean, longer than that, honestly, God, guys, God, oh, there's a Freudian slip. Um, honestly, the past Ten, twelve years. I, I didn't hear ten months because I had a little, ten months ago. I had a bit of a happy period <laughs> for about two or three months where I was feeling okay, um, which was nice. <laughs> but you know, four years, give or take, you know, a few months or maybe. Um, I've had a really seven years, ten years, twelve years. Sorry, I can't even do the math. Um, I have felt like John McClane. Yes, John McClane from Die Hard. Specifically, John McClane from Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2. <laughs> um, you don't usually hear those in sermons, do you? Um, but it's the constant of trying to get to something, to reach a point, to help people, to solve something, but you're constantly caught up in a game that continues to beat you up and beat you up, and all you can do is kind of get back up. And the thing I always loved about those John McClane character, especially in those two films, one and three, I mean, not one and two, but one and three, uh, is that, you know, he had to, in three, he had to help, have a partner help him get through it, needed some help, needed somebody to help him get through that, all that shit. And, but by the end, they're both just bloody and beat to hell. And sometimes this is what that life help does to us. It makes us how we feel, you know? And um, always calling his ex-wife at the end of the film, putting the coin in the, hey, you know, maybe we can work things out. And then the next thing, film, we find out it didn't work out too well. Um, but it sure was a nice ending. Um, but that constantly of just being beat and beaten down and often beaten down by those you love or you care about. 
uh, are trying to protect those you love and you care about even though there's no chance of reconciliation. Do you see, see what I'm saying? So it's tough and it's the road less traveled. You can give up at any time. Anybody can give up on somebody else. That's the easy way to do. And so I want, I want you guys to be here because I want to challenge you to do the hard stuff. I understand self-care and I try to work on it. That's why I go to therapy. That's why I talk about therapy here constantly. And that's some of you know we talk and I struggle with it. Um, but I believe this message dearly. And when I hear some of you say, well, I don't talk to my family, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart for you. It breaks my heart for them. Um, but there's a reason why my Bible says uh, suspect device. And the reason my Bible says that, why well, I spray painted that on there a few years ago, is because a suspect device in Northern Ireland was something that they thought was a bomb. And they would have that on there. And they would destroy it because it caused great damage to people, great hurt from people. And... Um, And when I realize that sometimes this Bible is used as such a weapon to hurt others and to kill others and destroy others' lives, it breaks my heart. Um, and so this week, it happened to me. And, I, and sometimes I think that the best thing we could do with a Bible is just go throw it into the sea. Isn't that sad? Because it's the book I've studied most my life. It's the thing I've researched most my life. I've dedicated my life to the scholarship of this book. And usually the problem is, is the people who usually encourage me to do that, and I did it, look back and go like, oh, nope, you found out the wrong stuff. You weren't supposed to say that out loud. Um, you know, most people like the, the not most not educated view of the Bible, so we really should stick with that. And they're defending the idea of, of, a, of a Bible with no scholarship. And I mentioned scholarship in my, my, my message on Facebook of asking, saying, I'm sorry you've been hurt by the Bible, usually by bad scholarship. And people are like, well, scholarship. People start using the word scholarship when they want to okay their sins. And I'm like, we've come to despise education and knowing and wisdom and understanding um, by saying it's somehow connected to sin. I mean, you see, this is a bad thing. This is why the church suffers so much. This is why you hear so much bullshit in Christianity. It's because, oh, don't study it too much. Don't look into, you know. So I was arguing with this one person. I'm like, well, what about... Greek and Hebrew, and what about context? Well, my God's bigger than context. I'm going, no, your God's not bigger than context. You can't understand that if, it don't, if you don't know the correct context. Like, do you know how many words different love is in the Bible? Do you know how many hell is different words? Just do a simple word study. Do you know the history behind those words will we'll even change your opinion of that? Do you know what the history of Rome is and how they treated people? and what their laws were. That will change your aspect of how you see life and how you see things. Do you know, do you know who the Galatians were, the Gauls were, and that were actually there, and that there was freaking actually like 
proof that they've found in the past 20 years in archaeology. But do you understand what these things are? Like, these are important to understand. <laughs> but people are, oh, no. That's... And the reason I say this is because, well, I got a text from my father, and me and my father have not spoken in two years. And I really debated if I was going to share this with you guys at all, but I want to share it with you because I think it's so on the nose for what so many of you have gone through and what so many of you have been through. Today might be a little bit longer than usual, so I apologize. I don't know if YouTube cuts you off after a certain amount of minutes. I really hope not. Well, it's because I got a text. You know, I, I, me and my dad haven't been talking. I even went out to Branson and we didn't see each other. And I, I'm still trying to, you know, connect with him and, and send him text messages. And I did one. I said, Dad, I love you. I know we're both heartbroken about us because he had said the little thing that said he loved me and he wished I understood his, his mind. And I said, well, listen, Dad, I love you. Let's talk on the phone. It doesn't have to be about anything deep. I'm sure we're both bummed out that we're not, that, that, that we're estranged. Let's not be estranged anymore. And I got a text back. And basically the text back said, you know, I love you very much, but my main prayer for you is that you will serve God and make it to heaven. And that you would hopefully not rewrite the Bible is basically what it is. Rewrite, you know. And he goes, I'm, I'm praying that God will unveil his truth to you because I don't want you to rewrite the Bible. And I hope I can see you in heaven one day. Now, anybody who grew up evangelical, now I didn't read the whole thing verbatim because it's my thing and, and not your thing. I've shared it with a few people personally just to kind of help me through this. And you all have been really uh, great. But, you know, when you spent your whole life on biblical scholarship and theology and you have a loved one say this to you, who's also a pastor, who also you could probably say the same thing right back to, it sucks. It hurts. And um, and when um, you know how to read through the evangelical ease, of I hope you make it to heaven, I hope you get to see you in heaven, is basically saying like you're going on a highway to hell right now because you've changed what the Bible says. Um, that's tough stuff to hear. And it's tough because I know I, I understand uh, philosophy and theology and scholarship a lot better than my own father does, to the point where if he would want, I would go on air live with him and we could have a scholarly debate about whatever topic he wants, biblically, that is. Um, but it hurt because it wasn't like, yeah, let's just have a simple conversation. It was more about religion. And here I am spending most of my life trying to help unite families who have been split up over religion or politics or things like that and thinking, well, you know, I'm never going to allow this to happen to me. But this was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. It really hurt. It really tore me up. Um, so that's why I, I've worked to build up to this point to tell you that because this is where I'm going to say... I have more empathy and understanding of what some of you talk to me about and say there's nothing I can do. 
And literally, when you can't, when someone will not speak to you or not talk to you, and then the only thing they will say to you is that, I hope you're right with Jesus and I love you, you're going like, neither one of those seem like love to me. You know, like I could just, I could say the damn thing, same thing back because we both disagree on this subject. So unless we argue well, unless we have a tough conversation, nothing is going to change. And I, you know, my first thought is if anyone should be looking at their theology and scholarship. And, you know, and you get the concept and you think the idea of like the fact that you would serve a God that would send your loved ones, people you care about, your own children to burn in eternity because they got their scholarship wrong is pretty fucked. It's a pretty bad idea. That's why I don't believe in hell and I don't even know if I believe in heaven anymore. So, well, that's why it's probably a gathering and not a church at this point. Um, especially if just when a simple word study uh, can help clear those things up. And I understand why most people think I'm a heretic because, and, and it's, in its broadest term of heresy, what heresy is, is not going along with the norm. I am a heretic um, because I'm pushing against what the norm has to say. Um, and I'm pushing against what's been acceptable, but that's only because I've studied. And the funny thing is the way I study is I study in a very legalistic black and white way. That's how I've always done my scholarship in a very assemblies of God, like, I gotta know the truth. It's gotta be evident. It's gotta be there. And I did it that way. And still, no one likes what I found out. So now I've tried to add a little more theology and philosophy, a little more philosophy to my theology and my scholarship, where we have room for disagreement. We have room for, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, contradictions. Um, and philosophy really does help ease some of that tension there, which is fantastic, and, and so does grace, believe it or not, because grace and love are trump cards, remember? We've talked about that. Um, but it's really hurtful, and it's really hard. So I wanna say is I understand. What's the big deal? He just wants you to go to heaven. Hey, you know, and that's the one thing we have to look is like with some of our folks and some of our family, they're old, they're Minds aren't like what they used to be. They grew up in the old-time religion, and maybe them saying us wanting to, us wanting to go to heaven is the best thing that they, the best way they can love us, because they've been victims of this uh, misinformation so long that they just don't know what to do anymore. Because they don't, maybe they, maybe you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't believe that, but I also believe that there's times when there's cognitive disorders. Uh, mental disorders and things like that that often happen when we get old and, and then it's it's harder to, to have these conversations. And uh, what are we supposed to do then? Well, I guess we take care of the sick and, and we let things go in one ear out the other. Um, It's hard when the first thing your loved one who's been not talking to you for a long time says that after years of silence. Um, and I will, I will tell you that I did not take it in such an easy way that I thought, well, I'll just love, you know, bless your heart. Um, I tell you how I did respond. I responded with, I love you, Dad. Because I know in my heart that I love him, and that's all I had. 
Um, but strangely enough, it makes me want to stop being involved with this particular faith and uh, with this particular book in growing up this way. Um, if it's going to pervert love in such a way that you think that a loving God takes those people who burned in, in <laughs> the people that Hitler put in the ovens and, and then they just went from one oven to another oven that burns from eternity and that God's just making bigger ovens for us all to burn in for eternity and that God is just super Hitler. Um... So that's why I have an issue with confessional Christianity. That's why I have an issue with heaven and hell. That's why I have an issue with magical thinking. But for something haunts me and pulls me back into the Bible and the message of grace and love and compassion and caring about one another and caring about our enemies. Uh, makes sure. And it's, it's so beautiful that it's like, you know, what, if there is something after this life, if there is life after death, then there's something beautiful there as well from my understanding of my biblical understanding. But with, with, with hard scholarship, you have to realize like some things are just don't belong in the Bible. Some things are misinterpreted in the Bible. Some things are complete, outright um, forgeries in the Bible. And this is the thing is that, you know, the people, they don't want to believe this. They, they don't want their studies to go to a certain thing. And, and, and often these, these, these places of learning are, are, are covered by uh, denominations, and the denominations have too much to lose if they go in there and say, well, we have to discount these things, or we should probably pull these things out of our Bible, or we should probably get a Sharpie and, you know, black Sharpie and mark that out, you know. Um, and then there's some progressive people, oh, well, we'll just live in the tension, and we'll find the glory in those things. You know, there's nobody really making decisions like that, those biblical decisions anymore. And um, so it's tough. So this is me being very transparent with you all today. Really, honestly, I wish I had my mom around so I could just get on the phone with her and I probably wouldn't have to talk about this. But is this a sermon? Is this a talk? This is not a sermon, but this is a talk. This is a talk that says, I am in a place that I know a lot of you have been in and a reason a lot of you have pushed back on me before in the past because I maybe thought I preached too much grace or I was encouraging you too much to love your enemies or to love those who hurt you. And I'm here to say is that I do not know how to go any farther except um, what I, I've written down in my notes. I'm going to have to look at my notes because I'm kind of lost for thoughts right now. I can't continue to defend those who hurt me, but I can, but I also cannot destroy those who have hurt me. And so I am not called, and some people would say just by airing this to you publicly that I'm destroying. But, you know, if you know my mom, if you've ever read any of my mom's books, if you ever saw my parents, both my mom and dad back in the PTL days, or you read my dad's book, I Was Wrong, you'll realize that they were both open books for a very long time. I don't know about my father now, but both of my parents were open books, and I come from a lineage of people who share their life, their hopes, their their despairs and their dreams to better let you know you are loved and that you're not alone going through this. And that's what revolution has tried to always do and is, is, is carried on the backs of those two people who dropped me to be transparent and not hide behind shit um, because it's such a rare thing in the church. 
And if we want to see the church, uh, if we want to see reform, real reformation, then we have to have real conversations that aren't always easy. Um, so what do I do? I, I love, I hurt, I mourn, to quote Zoe, from afar. But also I keep the door unlocked for them to come back and try again if they will. That's where I've come at today. I will keep the door unlocked and will try for them if they will. My children have really no grandpa and that destroys my heart so many levels. I can't tell you that's probably the most hurtful part of this is that they don't know their grandfather or see their grandfather. And uh, yet he finds it in his case to tell me that I'm rewriting the Bible. Okay, this is just me being hurt. Also, to let you guys know that this is the type of shit that happens. It happens. So also, next time we have a guest speaker, maybe that we're having a guest speaker because Jay's just feeling like a piece of shit. But man, I'm going to do my best to fight through this kind of stuff and work on this and find healthy ways. But if I don't feel like I can bring something to you that is healthy, that is that that has restoration in it, then I don't want to bring it because I do believe in restoration. I, I do believe in in both parties learning how to live better somehow. And I don't know how to do it. And that's why I said maybe we need surrogate people to love on our behalf. I don't need you guys to send an email or a text message to my dad telling him he's a real mother. You know, I need you to send text messages that say, you know, your son really loves you and is actually a hell of a biblical scholar. And also we love you and we're going to love you too. And that's because we're a part of a congregation that we argue well, we disagree well, but we love each other even when we don't agree. And it doesn't matter if we're Republicans or Democrats. Matter of fact, your son has given up on both of those parties. <laughs> Maybe this is why the pastoral model doesn't work so well. It's because there's always this one head person that people think, has got their shit together. My message today to you, one is, I wanted to say two other things, but thank God for Steve who has, has stepped in that place. Steve sent Minnie Bear, my Minnie, a bunch of fun little gifts for her birthday and has offered to be a, a surrogate father for me. And also Randy McCain, who has also been a surrogate father to me. And I thank God for both of these men um, who happen to just be gay men. I'll tell you what, I've had more gay and transgender people stand up for me and be there for me in my darkest times than I have a lot of people. And I don't know what that says, but I will say judge people by their fruit. And if you want to know who is following Christ by their fruit, I would say um, these folks in my life who have been here for me through hell and back. Um... My message today to you is not, is, is today to you, all of you, is that you are not alone. You are not alone. And neither am I. And that's why we gather here together, even through the internet. But I also want to say I'm sorry 
if I have raised the bar too high on grace to any of you in the past, I apologize. And that will uh, continue to put these things in my arsenal. Some things you just don't learn from scholarship. Some things you just have to continue to learn from being kicked in the teeth. <laughs> I love you all very much. Thank you for being a part of this community. And honestly, I would not blame any of you if you never want to come back to this community again after this talk, because it's just fucking raw. And I don't know if that's what we're supposed to do is be so raw. Um, uh, you know, yeah, it's a hard knock life, right? Yeah, boo-hoo. Anyhow, um, Revolution needs your support. If you want to help s support what we do, you can go to revolutionchurch.com. Um, funny thing is, is, is up until just a few months ago, even my father's ministry just sent a check to support this church. <laughs> I never turned it down because I don't return. We're not in a place at a church where we can stand on a moral ground by turning away finances. And uh, that money has also stopped. So... Um, but good for him. I mean, he, I must have crossed a line somewhere. And, you know, you got to have boundaries, right? And you, you got to follow your convictions. So um, I definitely can't, you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to, you know, I guess to each his own, eh? But we definitely could use your support, revolutionchurch.com. You can support us there. I'm going to share this with other people. And... Um, there you go. So um, that's Jay this week. It's been good because my kids aren't here, so I've been able to just really let go and uh, share a lot with you guys. Um, now I'm going to go have post-sermon, um, my post-sermon blues. You know, maybe I'll go see, uh, what was the movie we were talking about earlier that's out? Oh, the Jura new Jurassic Park. Maybe I'll go do that. Um, guys, thanks for being a part of this community. Uh, we got a leadership group. We're going to work out these comments and stuff so we can do better, so we can have an afterglow. We might even just do afterglow in a different place and, and, and have really good conversations because we really want to do more of that. Um, it's just been me doing this for a long time, and, and now I've got a group of folks that are really trying to help me. Help me, and that's what I need. I needed help because, honestly, I just can't do all this on my own. Thank you so much. Love you guys. See you next week. Um, Help me believe in impossible, unrealistic grace again, please, because I really feel better when I do. Bye. you enjoyed this podcast to make your 100 tax deductible donation today please visit revolutionchurch.com donate you can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website